So of course, Biggie's championship. 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 I, I think we have a lot more left, um, and that's that's really one of our strengths. No matter what we do, we always have to bring energy from the beginning. Can't be just one person. It has to be the whole entire team. Whatever happens, you gotta stay, stay locked in, stay motivated, and do what you gotta do to be the player you wanna be. Welcome back to Full Court Press, the Georgetown Voices Georgetown Basketball Podcast. We have not talked in a long time. I think it's been like three weeks, and there has been a lot of Georgetown basketball in that time frame. Um, we were on break and then traveling to see them in tournaments, and it's also midterm season. So and, and, a, and a host without a voice. So our very loyal listeners, we are very sorry, but we're back. And we're here to talk about the way the men's season closed and the way the women's season is closing. They're not done yet. Um, but we'll start with the men. Um, since we last talked, the men beat DePaul at home. Then they beat Seton Hall in a thriller double overtime victory at home. Then they got destroyed by DePaul on the road, um, basically giving up all any hope of an easy, um, like, bid to the NCAA tournament, but then in a crazy turn of events, they beat a ranked Marquette at Marquette, Errol and I were lucky enough to be there to witness that, that was a lot of fun, and everyone thought, wow, they have some momentum going into the Big East tournament, um, but Miles Powell had more momentum, and he scored 29 points in the first half, Georgetown lost 57-73, to 73. but the Hoyas got a postseason bid, they got to host Harvard at home and then lost 71-68 to to the Harvard Crimson, um, thus ending a 19-14 season, a 9-9 conference record overall. This has been said a lot on Twitter, but I think a lot of people are like, if you had told us at the beginning of the season, 19-14, and an NIT bid, 9-9 in conference, take that nice like rebuilding Tied for third in the Big East in a weird four-way tie that made us six, but still. But it does leave a sour taste in the mouth when you look at all the games that this team probably could have won. What were your guys' reactions to the end of the season? I mean, I think it's one thing to say all of the teams, all, like this team could have won a lot of games, yeah. But I, I think we can look away from the close games and be like, all right, those are going to happen. But there are games where they never even gave themselves a shot, like the game at Seton Hall, the Seton Hall tournament game, the game at DePaul, where they just came out flat. And those are games where, you know, they would have at least been competitive. They could probably have stolen one or two of those and, and given themselves a shot at a tournament, but, you know, they, they were just never in them. Yeah, I mean, I think that carried over um, into the NIT when you look at the Harvard game. You know, Jesse Govan, you know, the leader of the team, he didn't really have much going for him in the first half. You know, it really took, you know, he took, I think, three threes in the first half, missed all three. And, you know, his energy wasn't there. He was struggling to get back on defense. You know, really just kind of lackadaisical. Um, and then the second half comes, and he hits three threes in a row, does a heat check, fourth one misses it. But you can see he's starting to move back up down the floor. He's starting to smile. He's talking on defense more. And so, you know, you just look at the energy just was not there. And I think that is kind of a theme that resonates in a lot of games, you know, if you look at the 
Seton Hall game, the energy just was not there. You can't let one person outscore your entire team in a half. So I think it was really hard this towards the end of the season, especially with this team, you know, to have that energy from every player all the time or having that energy, you know, radiate from top to bottom throughout the team. And, I mean, I will say that Jesse Govan ended up being the leading scorer in that game with 25 points, but he only had four rebounds, which for the tallest guy on the floor, like you said, not a lot of energy. But I will say that there is a lot of promise with this team. Um, if their core, their core freshmen stay intact, if Jamarco Pickett comes back, um, Omar Yurtsevin is coming in, does this team have the potential to be one of the best teams in the Big East next year? When you say one of the best, uh, top four, top five, yes. Are they going to realistically challenge for a conference title? I don't think so. I mean, I, they can, but I, I still haven't seen enough consistency. And I don't know when you have a lot of question marks and players that, okay, they have to get more consistent for this team to be successful. I think, you know, it, it's relying on a lot of moving pieces. So maybe not this year, although it depends, you know, who else is coming in. I guess, I mean, you have the wing from, that was the junior college transfer, Galen Alexander. You have Kudus Wahab. If they turn out to be solid contributors, then you add that to the core, then yes, maybe they can. But I, right now, I can't see it. Um, I don't know. I think that they can definitely can contend for, you know, one of those top two spots. I think, you know, you're going to have, Akinjo with a year of experience under his belt, McClung, the core three freshman trio, um, they're all going to have a year of experience under their belt. You know, I think Josh is able to learn a lot from Jesse this year. Um, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see what, you know, the players individually work on, you know, in this offseason and into uh, Kennerly. You know, if Josh, I think if Josh can find, find his shot and become more of a shooter, not, you know, spot up, pulling up off the dribble, but if Josh can really find a shot that he's able to knock down consistently and not uh, take so hesitantly. Um, I think that they definitely will be a complete team. Um, I think the biggest question mark, you know, kind of like Beth said, is, you know, which Jamarco Pickett will we see next year? You know, this year we, we were, you know, lucky to see a Jamarco Pickett who became kind of a defensive superstar, um, but he, hit, you know, was kind of hit or miss with his offensive games. And so I think that if, you know, Coach Ewing can find, let's say, eight players that he can rotate heavily throughout the season that this team will be a force to reckon with going forward. I also think the loss of Caleb Johnson is going to be a huge one. And maybe, like, on the books it doesn't look like it, but Caleb came in and played that 3-4 on a team that was very weak on the 3-4 and always held his own. He was never a liability offensively or defensively to have him in. Um, But, you know, hopefully Galen Alexander is – provides a spark there you hope that Jamarco Pickett steps up and brings that offensive ability that we saw in his freshman season to like really boost the like three um spot and maybe some of these big guys that uh, Patrick Ewing recruited can come in and play in the four spot but I think that wing space is the place where there's a lot of questions the guards are solidified right those two Jake and Mosley Javon Blair they're going to be the guards for the year and Omar Yersevin's going to be your five that you go to, um, along with some of the guys that Ewing brought in. Um, But I really think that middle spot is going to be the biggest question mark going forward. Um, 
It'll be interesting to see what happens. You guys, seniors, we're going to be sad to miss it. Because, <laughs> of course, after we graduate, they're going to make the NCAA tournament. But, you know, it is what it is. Any more notes you have on the men's team? Well, not necessarily on the men's team itself, but Biggies as a whole. I mean, part of what I'm looking at for, you know, can they contend is this was a down year for the Big East, and I can't necessarily see, uh, granted I don't know who people are bringing in, but I don't necessarily think 12, 13 wins is going to be contending for the Big East title. I think it's going to be back to where it has been the past couple of years where it's a 15, 16 win team that's winning the conference. Um, because, you know, Big East only had four teams in the tournament. Villanova still head and shoulders above. If you but St. John's as making the tournament. I, I, unfortunately, Twitter counts it. As much as I don't think it should, Twitter counts it. So uh, we're going to say four. But I, I, I think the Big East will be better. So like, while I think the Hoyas can come out and be you know, a 12, 13 win Big East team, I don't think that is top two next year. I think a lot of it depends on if Marcus Howard leaves. It, fair point. Because if Marcus Howard does not leave... Um, there's Marquette is the team to reckon with, right? Theo John's only a sophomore. And Seton Hall. Well, yeah, and if Miles Powell stays, they're St. John. Shamori Pons. Like, I mean, I think those three teams will battle it out. Hopefully St. John's can, you know, not streak as bad as they did this year. Um, but I think that it's that's kind of like the biggest question mark, you're right, because two of those three names are on draft boards. I've seen, looking at the NBA mock draft, they've appeared at least either late in the first round or in the early in the second round. So, I don't know. It'll be very interesting to see what happens because if Marcus Howard leaves Marquette, hmm, very interesting. Well, and who's Villanova going to have? I mean, we said this last year. We said this last year, year and they won. They have Javon Kinnerly. Head and shoulders above the conference. Is. Won the regular season, won the tournament, advanced the furthest in the NCAA tournament. My take is vindicated, and I said this on air now, so I'm happy. Because they didn't lose in the first round. Yes, like still head else. and shoulders above the rest of the conference. Before we move on to the women, I just want to make a note of the fact that on this podcast, weeks ago, I said Xavier had the potential <laughs> to win out. After I said that, they literally lost only once in the regular season, and then they lost in the semifinals of the Big East tournament, and they were last in the conference when I said that. So I was right. Highest take, most correct take. Look at that. Anyways. Would you like a fucking cookie? Yes. Moving on to the actual good basketball team at Georgetown University. Jesus. Is the Georgetown women's basketball team. This is what you all came to listen to, I know, because um, when was the last time they lost? I don't know. I mean, Marquette. Marquette. Before that. (laughs) Exactly. I don't know. So after. No, we do know. It was Villanova. After a devastating (laughs) loss at Villanova, (laughs) devastating loss at Villanova, the women's basketball team closed out the regular season with four straight wins, including a giant 30-point win over a third in the conference butler, which then gave them a four seed in the Big East tournament. Um, they played Villanova, the five seed, got revenge. It was their game from the start of the second half. Um, lost to... Marquette, but you know Marquette is a very, very, very good women's basketball team, and they kept they held it close at times. They got Marquette would extend the lead, Georgetown would kind of push back, and then you know over and over again eventually. 
LSA block bin and it's just a high limit were just too much for the Hoyas to handle. But then the Hoyas got a WNIT bid and unlike the men, did not lose in the first round. They killed Sacred Heart. Um, they won 90 to 59. Deanna and Dorothy both had 21 and Deanna became the second uh, Georgetown women's basketball player to hit 2,000 points. So now it's just her and Sugar Rogers, which is pretty freaking impressive. Then, Hoyas went to Harvard and avenged the men's loss with a five-point win over Harvard. Deanna White, superstar, 38 points, 12 rebounds, game-winning block, like everything, everything she needs to do for her team. She played 15 minutes with four fouls and did not foul out. She got to the line on four consecutive trips to like bring the Hoyas lead up. She is we are witnessing incredible basketball from her at the pinnacle of her career. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Deanna White, she's flipped another gear. Um, you know, Coach Howard said it in um, a pregame interview for today. You know, Deanna White does not want her career to end. And so she's doing everything that she can to prolong, you know, that final game that she will wear in a Hoyas uniform. And so you can really see that. You know, you can see the intensity that she brought in the Sacred Heart game. She played, I guess I would say, average level basketball for the first two quarters, and then the third quarter she just flipped the switch and made sure that she was going to put her team up for good. And then she comes out today, well, today as in when she's playing Harvard. Um, she comes out against Harvard and just goes absolutely lights out. You know, she picked up four fouls on some, some questionable calls, but when you look at how she got down the floor and just how... You know, she was Coach Howard pulled her for what two minutes maybe um, after she picked up her fourth foul and he put her back in the game and she just went absolutely just insane. Oh, yeah, this was Deanna White's signature performance of her Georgetown career, mm -hmm. unless she goes for like fifty in the WNIT championship and wins it for Georgetown. I that's the only way this can really be upstaged because there were times in this Harvard game where she played one on five and was winning. Like, I don't think we've ever seen her this efficient. She didn't chuck up threes. I mean, she went 11 for 15 from the field. She only shot two threes. She went 15 for 16 from the line. Which because not the norm for her. Because, what, like, if she drive, like, they she drove and they fouled her. Like, she got the calls today. Like, that are always there. The rest of the blue whistle this time. Uh, so, Deanna White, very good at basketball. We've established this. What... What worried me about the Harvard game was, you know, the start of the third quarter, Harvard starts to come back into a run. And you, you see this, you also saw this in the Marquette game um, in the tournament when, you know, Georgetown kind of got it close and we're kind of desperate, like, okay, can we do this? They occasionally force things in to Dorothy and to Deanna. And while Deanna had it going today, you could see at times, you know, they were trying to force the ball into Dorothy when, you know, she's double teamed and you have, you know, someone open on the wing. So in close games, as we go on in the WNIT, I, I think that's where the Hoyas need to be able to be able to say, okay, let's breathe, let's find the right pass, and not just force it to those two. Yeah. Go ahead. I will say um, there were times when I wanted to see the ball in someone else's hands, um, but in the first uh, in the first quarter at least, uh, Nicole Kovshikova was also lights out. She ended up with 12 points. I think she had 10 of them. She had 10, like, the by the first time out. Yeah, by the first under five. She was 
cooking. Um, and with Michaela Benson out of the game, having uh, someone who can control the ball, run the point, and score as well is huge for the Hoyas going forward, especially if we don't see Michaela Benson again this season. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit it right on the head. You know, there were times definitely where you wanted to see the ball in someone else's hand. They applied the pressure. Harvard applied excellent pressure to Deanna White and made sure that, you know, she did not get the ball in multiple possessions. And they forced the other four women on the floor to actually have to play basketball. And I think that it showed at times Dorothy took some bad shots. You know, Brianna Jones kind of threw up a couple bad shots. Um, But you also were able to see that they were trying to score and they really were going to be like, okay, we're not going to let, you know, we're not going to lose this game for Deanna. I think is what we were able to see, you know. We saw um, Anita Kaleva take more shots than what, you know, I think we've pretty much seen her take all season. And, you know, she was streaky, but she still was, you know, doing her part to contribute. And, you know, Howard utilized his his bench um, today, and I think that was actually pretty useful, just like he did in the second heart game, and it really worked out in his favor. Yeah, I will say going forward, the biggest question mark for this team, um, unlike the men, they're solid one through four. It's who was playing that five um, is the biggest question. So today it was back and forth between Anita and uh, Brianna Mayfield. Brianna Mayfield ended up filing out, but Anita was too small to deal with Harvard's biggest uh, player. And so, you know, Providence is next. Um, They've seen Providence twice this year. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they can dismantle Providence just as they did both times this year. Um, But in this tournament, having a strong presence down low is really important. Um, I wonder what this team is going to do to respond to the way that their bigs were getting beat up today. I mean, it's not like they completely dominated the two games against Providence either. It was the game at Providence was they pulled away in the fourth quarter, and at home they only won by five. So, like, there are certainly things to improve on those games. It's not like they blew Providence out twice, and now you're kind of like, okay, where's Providence going to adjust? Like, you know where you can get better against them, at least. It'll be very interesting. They have Providence. Do we have a date for that yet? Uh, I don't think so. Don't it's think so. it's not on either team's, you know, schedule. Yeah, so Georgetown will play Providence. Um, it'll likely be next weekend. At Providence. At Providence, because because the men are hosting the East Regional at Capital One. We can't host at McDonough. Seems like a dumb rule, but... Well, it is a dumb rule, but... Yeah, well. Well, if the women survive long enough that where the East Regional is over and it's the Final Four, and then they will be able to host again, which would be very exciting. The game is the 26th at 7 p.m. at Providence. Oh, that's in two Wait, days. on Tuesday? Yes. Then why is the East Regional conflicting with that? No clue. That doesn't start until Friday. Um, you know, we don't make the rules. We just follow them. That's dumb. The NCAA is robbing everyone. Should be a criminal organization. Well, you know, I mean, no, actually, I think what they're doing is they're doing Providence a favor. Deanna White is selling tickets right now, and they want to treat Providence to Deanna White show. I don't does, blame them. Does Prov like how much do tickets go to Providence? Do we know? Uh, well, like games at McDonough for students are free. Uh, well, although they are f- apparently five dollars to the public, yeah. but like I. Have you ever seen someone buy a ticket at McDonough? Uh, multiple times. I have people visiting. I have not bought a ticket. We've just walked in. If you're listening, Barbara, Jorge does not break the rules. <laughs> at all. 
basically, the moral of this podcast is that the men's team is disappointing and the women's team knows how to win when they need to. Or maybe it's just that Deanna White knows how to win. It's just that Deanna White can turn it on and run past everybody jogging. She said in the post-game interview, she said, my speed, and that was the thing. She just, she was just faster she than all flies. Put the ball in her hands, too. It's incredible. Well, that's all I have to say. Teach me basketball, Deanna. Teach us how to play. Marquette lost today, and DePaul lost today, so all of the Big East is out of the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. which is sad. Yeah. Because Carolyn Keeger, wonderful woman. Great woman. Wonderful However, Margo should not have picked them to win her bracket. Margo should not have picked Marquette to win her bracket. That was a hot take. UConn's going to win, as was just chosen by the three of us in this mm-hmm. room. All right. Do you have something to say? I was breathing. I thought you like, were going to say something. No. Okay. I mean, this is very normal. Okay. What? 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 <laughs> it's okay. UConn's going to win. They're going to do it for Diana Taurasi. They're going to do it for Subert. Well, yes, they're going to do it for Grandma Subert, but we're going to be going to do it for Diana Taurasi, the greatest female basketball player, arguably top five basketball players, period, on earth. So. Well, she has to contend with Deanna White for that. True. She does have to contend with <laughs> Deanna White with that. You know, one-on-one, Deanna White versus uh, Diana Taurasi, I'd pay to see that. I would. The problem is one-on-one go half court. Yeah, that's fine. I'd pay for it. Deanna would want to go. Look, Deanna's advantage is full court. I'd pay for it. Deanna's also way more aggressive. How much taller is Diana Taurasi? Like five inches. Yeah, but Deanna can drive that's, that's, that's anyone. That's <laughs> no problem for Deanna. None. None. No problem at all. Doesn't matter. It's still worries and four. I I mean, okay. Probably not. It's applicable in any situation. What's the score of the Duke game? <laughs> well, I think With that's time to end. <laughs> we'll probably have one more pod um, when the women's season ends to talk about. And Duke's only up three. That's because Taco Fall is dominating in the post. I don't know what he's doing. He blogged Zion Williamson earlier. No. Yeah. Anyways. We will catch you next time. Enjoy the tournament. Enjoy the NCAA tournament. Watch WNIT. Support Georgetown Women's Basketball. Well, watch the Women's NCAA good. tournament, too. Yeah, watch the Women's NCAA tournament because have you... All I know is Asia Durr is different. She's not Did cut like anybody oh else God. in the NCAA <laughs> tournament. No one else is cut like her. They're not cut from the same cloth. Not Sabrina they're, and Oregon. These are, the, these are top five players right now in, NCAA, in the NCAA tournament remaining. You have Asia Durr. You have Sabrina. I'm not even going to attempt her last name from Oregon. You have, um, I said Asia Dara, didn't I? Yeah. Yep. Um, you have Arike Ongumbawale oh. from, no- from Notre Dame. Oh, God. Um, you have uh, Katie Lou Samuelson at UConn and Afizia Collier from UConn. Top five left. No one on the number one seed, Baylor. Interesting. Yeah, no. Baylor's a good team. They don't have good individual players. Man, we only lost them by 20. Oh. Exactly, we mm-hmm. lost to we lost to Villanova by worse than that. So therefore, by the transitive property, Villanova is better than Baylor. I'm not gonna say that. I'm just saying by the transitive property, you know what I mean. Villanova is the second round um, exit from the WNIT. Would say otherwise, <laughs> but you know, hey, no more basketball from Adriana Hahn. So and with that, so sad. We'll see you guys later. Teams go, of course, Big East championship. championship. I think we have a lot more left, um, and that's that's really on our strengths.
no matter what we do, we always have to bring energy from the beginning. It can't be just one person. It has to be the whole entire team. Whatever happens, you gotta stay, stay locked in, stay motivated, and do what you gotta do to be the player you wanna be.